Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Do you need an aging forward who can barely contribute? Do you need a defensive defenseman that you won't even notice is on the ice? Backup goalie, face-offs, power play goals. Just kidding. You want it? We got it. Everything must go. Did you say power play goals? Yeah, and then I said just kidding. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure because uh, <laughs> we're going to get hit for some uh, – th- that will be our first like official complaint to the SEC. I don't know. FEC? I don't <laughs> know. I don't know who, who's in charge. Yeah. FEC. What am I saying? Anyway. FCC. FCC. Yeah, well. FCC won't let me be. The uh, Right before this game started, that's – 10 minutes left in it right now. Detroit's down 4-1 to Nashville. Uh, this is Bernier's first game back, and I was like, this is absolutely a showcase. Put Bernier in <laughs> right away. And I was like, hey, a strong uh, game tonight, a strong game on Saturday against Carolina. That's a great showcase for Bernier if he can put up together two good starts. Yeah, there are very few Red Wings who have been good tonight. <laughs> I think we can count them on two fingers. The, if you're thinking this is putting a damper on the trade deadline overall, uh, welcome to the vibe of this year's NHL trade deadline. Yet another thing ruined by COVID. Um, but yes, welcome to this uh, season's trade deadline preview episode where we are going to recap the Red Wings, uh, their trade, uh, I guess not trade targets, trade bait for them, uh, who might get moved for how much, who's going to stay, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll take a look around the league as well before jumping into uh, overtime where you offer your questions. And we also took in some uh, comments from Twitter as well to see who had some interesting trade proposals. But without further ado... The Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm not actually an infomercial salesman, Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. I think Brad could actually make a living being an infomercial salesman. Like, 100% I could. Now's the time to try. I don't know why you're spending all your energy on... I don't know. Fatherhood, I guess, is what you spend all your energy on. Actually, that's a worthy cause. That's a that's a terrible thing to say. You're raising two kids who are substantially better than you, and that's a great cause. But you know what else you could also do is deposit some of your annoying, like, 130% at all times energy into, you know, ads. Although, I would definitely never put the radio on in my car again if there's a chance I could hear your voice. Uh, if I need to deposit my energy into anything right now, it's not ads, it's Evan. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> feel sorry for everyone and it's 5-1 nashville oh jesus oh. christ i didn't want to know that we got him right where we want him before we jump into the thick of it on the winged wheel podcast today i do want to talk about uh something we've mentioned over the past few uh episodes which is that we've partnered with the jamie daniels foundation uh to help further their cause uh it's a fantastic initiative that we are uh proud to get on board with and uh spread the message for uh the more we talk about substance use disorder the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need the jamie daniels foundation a children's foundation initiative was established in memory of jamie daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, none other than Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. All right. 
trade deadline 2021, the Detroit Red Wings have about a thousand players for sale. Essentially, no one is untouchable other than Larkin, Raymond, and uh, Cider, if you are to believe the talking heads. Some might include Zadina in that list, but still, that gives you perspective. Anything is on the board. Call me crazy, but the overall vibe I'm getting from the NHL is that this is going to be an especially disappointing deadline. Evgeny Svechnikov cleared waivers, so teams could have got a depth forward for free at basically league, league minimum and went, nah. That was my first red flag of, yeah, I don't think much is going to happen. Now, that's not to say nothing will happen, because if you look at the Florida-Chicago trade from today, trades can happen, but it's going to be more of a money-in, money-out situation versus your traditional X player for pick. Um, there are teams who literally can't take on a player at league minimum right now, so they would have to send a player back that, or else they can't make a trade quite literally speaking. Um, so there's going to be a bit more to it and God knows NHL GMs are notoriously stingy with stuff like this. It takes them four months to hammer out a fourth line center for a fourth round pick trade. They're not like the NBA where, Oh, this player demands a trade three days later. There's a 17 player trade between four teams. Like, the NHL doesn't work that way, so throwing even a small wrinkle in like this, I shouldn't say small wrinkle, but a wrinkle in like this where, yeah, you'd love to trade hypothetically a Luke Lindenning for a third-round pick, but the team that's acquiring him can't just take on his contract even if Detroit retains half. Now you have to work out who's the player that's coming back and are the Red Wings willing to pay it? Is it a player that they really need off their roster? So on and so forth. So it's not going to be dead. But uh, given that the Red Wings have, what, 11 pending UFAs, I'll be pretty content if 25% of them are moved. <laughs> North of 25%, I'll say. It's, this is a buyer's market. You know, prices are going to be low. The questions here for for Eisman and the Red Wings are going to be, do we absolutely want to sell these guys at any cost? How much am I willing to use all this abundance of cap space? I think the second most in the league behind New Jersey right now. And how desperate are we to add picks for the 2021 draft? That's primarily what teams are going to be looking to move. They're probably going to push 2021 just because of the volatility and the you know relative underscouting of this draft. They're going to want to maintain their 2022 picks. That's not going to be a hard hard line, but that's probably what you're going to see more of. Um yeah, it's it's a tough balance. We're going to get into the specifics of player by player, but I think you're, we're going to run into situations where players who have a ton of value who might get interest in future years, let's say Mantha for the extreme end of that scale, you're going to probably see, unless someone comes completely out of left field here, he's not going to get moved because Eisman's going to hold on to him until the price is right, which is probably going to coincide with Mantha hopefully playing better. But if you have a Luke Lendenning or a Darren Helm or a Mark Stahl, guys on expiring deals where you know that's that's bottom line depth or you know bottom six, bottom pairing depth, you move them for whatever. You take whatever you can get. You're not hanging on to the Mark Stahl if you have an offer, even if it's for a sixth or a seventh. You're not hanging on to Darren Helm if you have an offer, even if it's for a late round pick. So it's a fine line to walk. I think 25% would be ambitious. Honestly, if we see more than one guy moved, I'd be impressed. Um, Nashville just scored on a penalty shot at six one. 
Oh, my God. Um, dangerous lead in hockey. <laughs> the And further to Ryan's point with guys like Manth and Bertuzzi possibly being traded or the unlikelihood of that is we have another complication to this year's trade deadline, and that is the expansion draft. So any player who is on a contract beyond just this season, now you have – that's another body that you have to consider for – protection in the expansion draft so if you trade for a tyler bertuzzi or an anthony mantha you're obviously going to protect them beyond this season but then that means someone's getting bumped off your protection list that otherwise wouldn't have been there so not only are you trading the assets that you're giving up for the player so let's say if it's mantha they give up a first round pick and a prospect so you're losing those two things but you're losing another player that you probably wouldn't have in the expansion draft. Now, that's not to say you wouldn't have lost a player anyway. It'll just be a slightly better player, um, depending on your team's structure. So the one advantage the Red Wings have in the trade deadline this year is this is kind of a throwback and, and not quite what last year was. This is a year for pure rentals because teams don't want to worry about the expansion draft. They don't want long-term dollars in a flat cap. They don't want to deal with that stuff unless they are literally just coming into their cup window and they're like, whatever, we need players. But even those teams are a little hesitant. So yeah, the Bobby Ryans, the Luke Glendennings, the Jonathan Bernies of the world, they have appeal now because if you're Colorado and you trade for Jonathan Bernier, you're not going to lose him in the expansion draft because you know he's a UFA anyway and you still protect Grubauer. So that is... The only advantage the Red Wings have going into this deadline, but it's it's not a nothing advantage. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Let's go through player by player on the Red Wings, um, and we'll discuss, are these guys going to get moved? What would the return look like? And what's our prediction on you know whether or not they actually get traded? That kind of thing. Um, this is a tough one. Dylan Larkin, not being moved. No, <laughs> not unless it's uh, for Jack Eichel. Yeah, carry on not being traded. I could see them getting a seventh for him. I they could probably yeah pull that together. I think we can rely on Eisman to to finesse a seventh out of a team. <laughs> like you're talking seventh overall for a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah, like a f- two seventh overall picks. Uh, Anthony Mantha, and I think that's a good, interesting one to start on here. Okay, so prediction, no, I don't think he gets moved. If he does, we've talked about it at length. It's going to be for two premium assets and a, and a filler. That's my guess. So mid to late first round pick, a team's one or two prospect, and then a kicker, not of any consequence. Yeah, Mantha is on the market. You know, whether or not people are fond of trading him and whether or not people like me think right now is the right time to trade him based on how he's playing, he is on the market. Um, I think there's an outside chance. I'd probably put that at like what arbitrary number 10% here. It's not going to be, it's not very high. It pretty much just depends on, you know, how spicy Mark Bergevin's feeling that day. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. Keep an eye on it for future years though. But yeah, I completely agree on, on your return for value or that at least that's kind of what you would hope for. Um, if Mantha does move. I don't know. I think that'd be a big swing from Eiserman. That'd be a big trade given where we are with with COVID and how teams haven't really been wanting to spend any money. So 
I would be shocked if he's traded at the trade deadline. I feel like a trade would have already materialized because he's the type of guy you want comfortable in a new environment and uh, you don't want him two weeks before playoffs start. Like You need to get him in there sooner rather than later. So I'll say 5%, but you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah. Honestly, for anything where we say might get traded but just not right now based on the timing we might be having this conversation again in a few months come draft time i think a lot of the volume of trades that have happened or would typically happen at trade deadline are going to get moved to the draft here um next forward on the list here darren helm this is one where if they get an offer which i don't think they do be based on how few players are going to get sold at the deadline if they get an offer they have to take it last year of his contract i doubt he gets re-signed he's open to going elsewhere you know so he i think he knows he's going to probably have to look around at free agency it's the end of a, a, a an overpayment of a contract for him he's had like you know good service in detroit of course but if they can get ken holland or someone like that to give up like a fifth or a sixth it's not much but it's a free asset i don't think darren helms returning to this team after the season regardless if Darren Helm gets traded at the deadline, that'll be Eisenman's biggest miracle, honestly, because like we talked about earlier, Darren Helm's got a $3.8 million cap hit. So even if the Red Wings retain half, he's going for 1.9. And there are not a lot of teams that can absorb that. And that's not even factoring in that he's barely an NHL level player anymore. So I put the chances of Darren Helm getting traded at 1% and that 1% is just if Ken Holland's feeling nostalgic when he acquires Luke Lindenning. Yeah, when you have 6 points in 30 odd games, um don't know how big of a market there is for you. So unless a team gets really desperate and other teams players are jumping off the board, which none of us I think expect to happen, then I don't see how a Darren Helm trade materializes. No, and he he doesn't even have the intangibles anymore that Luke Glendening still has. Um, You know, Glendening's at least got his face-offs, and he's at least good on the cycle, even if he can never get the puck to the slot. Helm's lost most of his speed, and he's the anchor on one of the league's worst penalty kills. So the things that Darren Helm legitimately and was great at, he can't even say that anymore about him, unfortunately. Whereas a guy like Glendening where we'll talk about still does to an extent. I think those are tangible things that Glendening has. I think all yeah, help yeah, does have fair. is intangible. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> good guy in the room, general air of of I mean he's a great dude. He, he's been well loved in Detroit for a good reason for a long time, but it's it's it you know, it's the end of the road. The contract's probably not getting picked up. I can see a crazy world where just to get a warm body for one reason or another. Not that I agree that it should happen or that it's even likely. Maybe he gets picked up on veteran minimum for a year. I doubt it. But the general rule is here. Someone's giving you something for the rest of Darren Helm this year, and they want you to retain half the salary you take it. Um, I think the same thing goes for Valtteri Filippula, even if not yeah. more. He has an eight-team no-trade list right now, I think it is, <laughs> seven or eight teams. Um, he's not getting moved. He's been scratched most a lot of this year, plain and yeah. simple. No, not an NHL-level player anymore. Um, Vlad Nemesnikov. I don't think so. I haven't heard a lot about it, but you know what? It wouldn't be a bad move for some teams. I know Toronto was in on Nemesnikov when he was a free agent. So, 
correct me if I'm wrong, can the Red Wings even trade him? Isn't he like one of one or two veteran players the Red Wings need to keep to expose to the <laughs> expansion draft? I'm not I'm not even considering expansion draft here because I know how like sp- <laughs> how like bare thin it is to try to meet, to meet those requirements. So yeah, probably. And for that reason they won't. And that being said, he's been not that great this year. He's been adequate. It's probably the polite way to put it. He's been quintessential guy. Uh, and given that he does have another year left on his contract, I don't see teams tripping over themselves to get Nemesnikov right now. All right, let's let's look to the Red Wings' probably most likely candidate to move, uh, Luke Lindenning. Yeah, face-off extraordinaire, uh, quintessential third, fourth-line grinder, great reputation uh, around the league. Like th- this is a coach's player. If you have a coach who has a ton of skilled players but seems to be playing one guy who's not a skilled player but just works his butt off, that's Luke Glendening. That is just who he is. That's not a bad thing. I, I think Red Wings fans do a really good job of appreciating Luke Glendening for what he is and uh, understand that he's been put in positions that he should never be put in. It's not his fault that he's played more minutes in the top six than he ever should have over the past few years. But honestly, that guy gives it 120% every shift. He's like the energizer bunny out there uh wins faceoffs at a crazy rate this year all stuff where i in a normal year i could see a team overpaying for him i just don't know if they'll do that this year yeah luke lindenning's probably the one asset the red wings have which we can if we're using business terms it's an inflated asset because he's going to get more than he's worth and Ryan's right about everything he just said about Luke Lindenning. Luke Lindenning is so unbelievably easily replaced in the NHL these days that I'm shocked he's as hot of a trade candidate as he is. You know, I've been saying for the last two, three years, even when he had term left on his contract, I'm like, if we get a fourth round pick for him, like you do it. You're crazy if you don't. And now we're talking, he might, there's an outside chance he gets a second, which is amazing. Um, You know, you don't, get the face-offs with any other player. But again, depending on how important you think face-offs are, um, it might not matter all that much because, well, coaches think face-offs are important and that's why Glenn Denning is a hot target. No. And honestly, you're absolutely right. And um, I was, who was it? I want to say it was Jonathan Willis, one of the Oilers um, athletic writers did a breakdown because Ken Holland made it clear he wanted a right shot depth centerman so the three candidates that kept getting tossed around were brandon sutter um derek ryan and luke lindenning and um so he did a a breakdown on all three players and within like four sentences he's like and by now you can tell luke lindenning should not be a candidate so coming from an unbiased observer who would be acquiring this he's like yeah this is not an impactful player in just about any way outside of the face-off dot um, so the intangibles are great and we all love Luke Lindenning. He was a walk on at Michigan. How could he not be one of your favorite Red Wings? You're an asshole if he's not one of your favorite Red Wings. <laughs> but honestly, a fourth line grinder who barely contributes offensively and wins faceoffs, a, a dime a dozen. So if they get anything above a fourth round pick for him, it's a home run. At this point, I'm just hoping that Glenn Denning's like hot streaks or reputation from previous years where he's been able to do a little bit more offensively, not a lot. I don't think he's ever been like a top six player at all, Um, but he might be skating on some reputation from previous years and coupling that with (laughs) the faceoffs from this year. And, And I'm not even trying to be funny here. The NHL loves familiarity. 
like Stan Bowman just trading for former Blackhawks isn't like it's not a sing it's not a an exclusive attribute in the NHL. Like GMs and coaches love players that they know. Ken Holland it very much fits into that old school mold. He would love to have Luke Lindenning back. Like he knows he he knows for a fact he'd love to have Luke Lindenning back, and it doesn't matter what the analytics say or, or what his actual performance is. He's thinking, I have Connor McDavid, I have Leon Leon Dreisaitl, I have superstar forwards who can put in the goals. I'm not worried about more goals. I'm worrying about a guy who can get out there and shut down the play. Can Luke Luke Lindenning do that consistently and to help in a playoff run? I don't know. I think he'd have to have a, a pretty hot playoff streak, but this is just what Ken Holland might be thinking. Yeah, you have an old school mental, uh, an old school coach, and an old school GM with that, you know, old school mentality. This is this would be a perfect storm of getting a first round pick for Luke Lindenning any other year. Um, but Edmonton is the prime target for him. But the catch twenty two is they don't have their second or third round pick this year, which is probably what Eiserman's fishing for. He might be happy to kick that can into twenty twenty two. I I know Eiserman would be happy to do that. Um, I but the Oilers are pick poor overall, so I don't know if Holland's gonna want to just unload even more picks. So it might they've got a surplus of defensemen of young defensemen, so maybe there's a trade there. And don't get me wrong, the Oilers are not the only team looking at Luke Lindenning. There are a lot of teams kicking tires on him right now. So not that there's gonna be a significant bidding war, but yeah, like this is the quote unquote perfect storm for a fourth line center he's having an abnormally high year in the face-off circle carries a good reputation shoots right and here we are yeah i i think a fantastic return understanding that holland and edmonton don't really want to get rid of more picks so add prospect equivalents to this somewhere around a third round pick in value i'd be thrilled a fourth or a fifth i think is more reasonable if he gets if he does get sold just because prices are going to be low I give it a little better than a coin flip that Glenn Denning gets moved. I, and I think that's the best odds I would give for any Red Wings player. I think Glenn Denning's chances of getting moved are north of 80%. That You're that confident? Everybody I have read, everyone is positive he's getting moved. Whether it's a Detroit writer or a national writer, Glenn Denning is in demand. He's the only Red Wing who we can say is... In demand. There's two other guys that I think are going to get a significant number of phone calls, whether or not that leads to anything. But no, there's. I'll be shocked if Luke Lindenning's not traded. Now that I said this uh, after the game, they're going to like break news that uh, he just signed a two year contract extension. But because I know how this works, but <laughs> we'll see. He's taking the captaincy from Larkin. <laughs> <laughs> Larkin does get moved for a seventh. Evan was right. <laughs> I told you. This, this I wasn't just spewing that out. I was telling you facts. <laughs> what did someone say? Uh, they commented after last episode. You guys need to double Evans' pay. He has more insight. He has more insight than both of you put together. Come on, give me a break. Was that, your one burn, was that one of my burner accounts? <laughs> Evan, nobody will ever believe you have a burner account. You barely tweet from your actual account. <laughs> I'm the perfect person to have one then. <laughs> It's the first day of the Masters, and he's barely tweeted about that. I what? I actually wonder if Evan knows where his phone is, and the only reason he ever tweets is because he's at his computer. Evan, be honest. Do you know where your phone is? Yeah, it's right here beside me. <laughs> yeah, it's playing out. Who is it? Justin Rose's swing on loop all day oh. so he can figure it out. Uh, yeah, I wish. I wouldn't be talking to you, chumps. <laughs> 
Uh, I I texted Evan earlier today. I was like, I can't stop laughing every time Bryson DeChambeau uh, drives the ball. It's the same vibes as Mark Stahl teeing up a piss missile right into the post from like the top <laughs> of the circles. The dude just mashes that thing. Bryson does this thing on the range where he literally will just rapid fire drives for like a minute. And did you see the thing with VJ? Yeah. yeah, that was so good. Like Di- Bryson does that at like every tournament. He just goes out for one of the practice range sessions and just hammers drives. Like he'll do like he'll do like fifteen or twenty in a minute. Like it's just ridiculous. VJ's like whatever I was juicing with was not good enough. Look at this guy. Yeah, just a meat stick. <laughs> All right, uh, Evan. Very quickly, your quick odds on whether or not uh, Glenn Denning gets moved. I think he gets moved. I think it's, yeah, I'm somewhere on a coin flip because I just don't know what's going on this year. Um, He's cheap. He works hard. Co- a lot of old school coaches like him. Teams are desperate for depth with all the uncertainty of guys getting COVID. So he would be a prime candidate for me if I was uh, trying to add at the deadline. And I and think something... The- and the one thing, too, that we haven't even mentioned yet that we mentioned three months ago would be important for the trade deadline, it's that a lot of Red Wings got their vaccination this week, which is going to put a lot of teams' minds at ease when acquiring these yeah. players. Yeah, and considering uh, Edmonton as a, the most likely target for Glenn Denning, uh, the federal government in Canada agreed to reduce the NHL's uh, COVID waiting period from 14 days to seven. So that greatly reduces the amount of games missed as well. So eases a lot of teams. And I, I think that's how, that's why Eric Stahl agreed to be traded to Montreal. 14 days wasn't good for him, but uh, seven he could, he could work with. And something to remember for anyone who we've talked about and anyone who's going to come up here, we're likely going to talk about, you know, return or value in terms of draft picks, just because that's a good baseline. It's not that they're uncommon, like straight player for pick trades, but a lot of the times you're going to see things like, you know, little tweaks and balances, like partial salary retained or a seventh coming back or, you know, this prospect that's equivalent to the sixth because, you know, they're not going anywhere, but they're good for your AHL team, that kind of thing. So if I say a third, I mean the third or third equivalent in value. Yeah, like talking about Glenn Denning and we were talking about a second round pick from Edmonton to stick with Edmonton. If we traded Luke Glenn Denning for Tyler Benson who was a former second round pick from the Oilers and still is a decent prospect. Cool. That's the equivalent of a second round pick. Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm going to move through some guys here. Adam Ernie. I don't think I would, if I was Detroit, because his value is never going to be higher. But like I talked about an episode or two ago, he's also a candidate that, Hey, the Red Wings have 11 UFAs at the end of the season. They got to bring some guys back. So (laughs) Ernie's one of the guys I'd be very okay with if they're like, ah, screw it. We'll resign him. We need bodies next year. Yeah. RFA with Arbrights. He'll come in cheap. If someone wants to offer great, but I just don't think the market will be that hot this year where we're going to get down to the Adam Ernie part of the barrel. But Hey, if they do, I'd take it. Absolutely. For sure. Um, Philip Zadina, my thoughts generally untouchable because the price would be so high. I think, you know, 21 year old getting better every game, probably Detroit's second best player on the ice right now, if not the best some nights, uh, with Bertuzzi out, Mantha doing whatever he's doing this season. And it's pretty much Larkin and, and, uh, Zadina out there doing the best every game. Mantha has been, you know, he's not been 
bad, but he's not been as good as Zadina, I don't think, relative to their talent levels. So yeah, the the price is set sky high on it. I don't think he's actually untouchable. I don't think Eisman won't listen, but this isn't a trade market where Zadina is getting moved. No, and Zadina too, you'd be selling low. I mean, he's played way beyond what his counting stats show. Like, he is the most snake-bitten Red Wing. He's had set up his teammates for a million point-blank chances that they haven't scored. And his shooting percentage, I think, is hovering somewhere just south of 5%. And he was a 13% shooter last year. So if he held last year's shooting percentage, he's in double digits for goals this year right now, which would put him, oh, first on the team. So, yeah, it's even even if Zadine is on the market, now is not the time. Um, Michael Rasmussen is someone who I don't think teams are going to be paying for or who would have value for right now. And honestly, I don't really know why the Red Wings would move him unless someone overpaid. You're not moving Rasmussen at this point for, you know, what he's worth based on his play, which is, I don't know, fourth, fifth. You're not doing that. And a team's not really paying for more than that. He's a 21 year old, you know, remove his, his, his draft stock from the conversation. They're still trying to develop him into something of a regular player in the NHL. So I don't think he's on the board. Um, Evgeny Svechnikov. So between last episode and now, it, it came out uh, that Evgeny Svechnikov was shopped around to teams before he was waived, which lends to what we discussed in this podcast when Svech- after Svechnikov got waived and cleared, which is that um, you know putting him on waivers was a little bit of a risk, but there has to be the assumption here that that was a calculated risk based on you know what the what the waiver market was like and having it be confirmed now by um, Elliot Friedman was one of the people who confirmed it as well Eisman tried to shop Sveshnikov around and there was no takers sees that everything is tight this year guys are flying through waivers and took this opportunity to wave Sveshnikov move him through to have the flexibility to move him up and down from the taxi squad and the NHL um but on the market okay let me take my tinfoil hat and I'm going to put it on because I still have faith in Eisenman and I still believe that Eisenman really, truly does know what he's doing. And he is actually the best GM in the NHL. I do not profess to be a scouting expert. I do not profess to know more than Steve Eisenman or his pro scouting team. I watched almost every single Red Wings game this year. Tonight was kind of the nail in the coffin watch or the not nail in the coffin. It's on a pause in a positive way. Watching Svechnikov. There's no way. There's no way they look at this guy and go, yeah, no, we'd much rather wave him than keep Darren Helm or Sam Gagne. Like, I'm sorry. It just, there's no argument for it. I don't think Svechnikov was actually really and truly shocked. I think Iserman made those calls just to see if he would clear waivers. He he wasn't actively trying. He was it literally just was him seeing is anybody actually interested and then when he had like 20 no's and then the other 11 teams didn't have or 10 teams didn't have cap space, he's like, "Okay. Put push him through. He can finish the season in Grand Rapids when our season's done." Uh or for whatever reason it was because again, they're crazy if they think Svechnikov is a downgrade on 12 forwards on this team right now most of whom are like six seven years older than him i don't know that he 
I, again, tinfoil hat. I'm not sitting here. Yeah, this is my definitive. <laughs> I agree that I agree that part of that exercise was to gauge interest because obviously the more likely scenario was that he was going to be waived. Um, we discussed it on the last pod. You know, d- does Darren Helm stay up over Sveshnikov on merit? No. Does he stay up um, because you need him playing games to show him off to teams in case they want to trade for him? Yeah, that's sound logic because you take that pick you know, over uh, the the loss of not playing Sveshnikov for a few games or waving him or whatever, especially if you know it's a calculated risk. The NHL is playing tight right now. Nobody's being claimed, almost nobody's being claimed on waivers unless you're the GM of the Leafs, then everyone who you put on waivers is getting claimed. Um, Proof that honestly, everyone hates the Leafs. Honestly, I, I, I think... I think there can be a world where Eisenman both thinks Sveshnikov is, yeah, obviously better than a lot of these, you know, bottom line scrubs in the Red Wings. And also 20, uh, what is he, Twenty turning 25 years old and saying, look, I like the kid. He's doing well this season, yada, yada. Not perfect, but doing good, especially considering the career he's had. He's going to be 25. He's not going to be part of the long-term future. If I can get a second for him or, you know, something good, I'm going to take that chance. If he stays, that's fine, but I have to take the shot because, you know, you talked about Adam Ernie's value being high. Sveshnikov was was a, a big name there for a little while. Yeah, and I agree with you. And as much as I'm, like, advocating for Sveshnikov, if, if someone offers a second-round pick for him right now, you take it and run. I, I agree with that, but he went through waivers for nothing. So, there is no market for him. None. Zero. So, well, his name shouldn't even be brought up at the trade deadline unless he's a sweetener in another trade. In general, I don't think there's a market because I I think, you know, there's not enough buyers this year, but players don't get claimed on waivers for a myriad of reasons. Some of it being number of contracts on a team and some of it being money in and money out. So if if this is money matching, someone might bring in Sveshnikov. Absolutely. Yeah. And there could be a trade to be had here where it's body in, body out. Okay. What team has a struggling prospect that can't get a grip. One guy that actually came to mind for me on this one actually got traded today. So that scrapped that because like they could look at a Henrik Borg, Borgstrom or something like that. I uh, yeah. 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 A prospect who isn't working out in Florida said, screw you. I'm going back to Finland. Trade me. He got traded to Chicago today, but you know, if they traded Svechnikov for someone like him for a change of scenery, Borgstrom's maybe not as good at this point in his career, but is younger. Sure, I get it. Fine with it. Um, I, I actually saw another, I forget where it was, and I, I don't want to spoil it if it's an overtime, but someone tweeted at either us or me a really interesting Chalosky trade proposal that piqued my interest, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, what would the return look like for Svechnikov? I don't know. Where I would be happy, third or better. I'm not exactly keen on trading him, but at the same time, I know that you know, if and when room is cleared for him in this lineup, it's a bottom six role. That's where Sveshnikov is likely fitting in medium long term. Yeah, I, I would want a second. I think he's worth more than a third round pick despite being 24 uh, because he is proven to be a usable bottom six forward who can contribute a little bit of offense. He He didn't have a point tonight, but I would argue he had his best game as an NHL player tonight. He was buzzing before Detroit got caved in the third period. Um, so, yeah, he he can contribute. And, you know, we, we talk about bringing back, you know, maybe Luke Lindenning comes back in the offseason and maybe they re-sign, you know, this guy, that guy. Well, Svechnikov's younger than all of them. So, if you're going to fill the bottom six with, air quotation, guys, competent bums, Svechnikov's the best candidate right now. So, 
Yeah, it's if if he gets moved for a decent return or like kind of a change of scenery type trade for another prospect, fine. Uh, yeah, I'm not losing sleep over a third liner, but yeah, it's got to be something. Sam Gagne is a guy who I think fits into that mold of uh, you know teams aren't exactly going to be knocking down the door for him, but there might be eleventh hour. GM wants someone super cheap, doesn't want to spend more than a fifth or a sixth, and says, "Hey, Detroit, can we have Sam Gagne for the rest of the year?" You know what? I I, I want to appreciate what Sam Gagne has done this year. He's not been lights out, but I think he's played you know relative to his talent level. I think he's played reasonably well. Also, if you look at it, a lot of the underlying numbers, he's been incredibly consistent and, and has performed well in his capacity. So, wouldn't it be a bad get for a team. Yeah, he's fine. Um, there's that word. He's. He's that guy who the eye test doesn't really match up with the underlying numbers, but at the same time, you really don't see him in a lot of the circus acts that go on on the ice from time to time with the Red Wings, which probably lends to the good on ice numbers, even though he is almost never involved in, you know, good offensive zone uh, bursts, we'll call them. But yeah, he's he's fine. He's guy. He's competent bum. He's valuable to a team who is struggling to find depth. You know, a team like Boston comes to mind for Gagne. Not that they would trade him, but they have no scoring depth on that team. And not that Gagne is setting the world on fire this year, but he's probably an upgrade on at least two or three guys in Boston's bottom six. So, you know, I don't think he gets traded, but he's one of the more likely candidates out of, you know, the mountain of guys the Red Wings have up for grabs. Yeah, he's within range, but I wouldn't give him better than like 25% at best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, return, ah, fifth, sixth. Yeah, fourth. late round pick. Yeah. Um, Giovanni Smith, I don't really see someone no. looking out for him. Uh, other forwards, those who are injured right now. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, I think, is similar conversation to Anthony Mantha. If he was healthy, I think he'd have a ton of interest, especially because he's expiring uh, as an RFA with Arbrights, but he there's no information on when he's going to play, and it, it's likely not looking to be this season. So I think that rules that out. Um, Robbie Fabry probably won't be moved. No, unlikely. I can see teams wanting to, but Eisenman got him for a song, and so unless you have amazing value coming back there, assuming he gets healthy, um, he's been out a couple of games, I think, a few games. Um, you keep him. All right, close to returning to the lineup, presumably, hopefully, because up there with Glenn Denning, this is another guy where I think you put him in a, if there's a trade, it's likely him category, Bobby Ryan. Mm -hmm. He had a great start, um, cooled off a little bit, regressed to the mean, but Bobby Ryan was dancing this year. His hands are still there. He still makes stuff happen in the offensive zone. He can't skate for shit anymore, but that was never really his thing. So, you know, he can still make things happen even uh, when he's putting around the ice. Um, effective on the power play, creative player, lot of offense, makes less than a million dollars. So, he is exactly what a lot of teams are looking for right now. Again, it might come down to cost because I don't I don't see him getting a second round pick but I do see a lot of interest for him but on the flip side everything he's done for Detroit 
and everything he said about Detroit leads me to believe he's a guy Detroit might want to extend and keep around. So um, I, I think it's more likely than not he gets traded, but I I will not be shocked if Eisenman just says, ah, if I'm not getting a second or a third round pick for him, I'm just going to hang on to him. Yeah, uh, Max had that article uh, today, I believe, with Bobby Ryan, and it was a good read, and, and it was you know another conversation where Bobby Ryan reaffirmed his his appreciation and his kind of want, really, to stay in Detroit. And I can see that feeling being mutual. Here's the thing. If Eisenman thinks a hotter market next year might garner a bigger return, that's a risk with someone like Bobby Ryan. You know, if you can't skate, you're relying on those those skills and and Brad's right they're still there but when are those going to fall off he's 34 years old right now so i'm pretty much saying anything halfway reasonable understanding that this year's prices and offers are going to be low i'm moving him it is sad like i do like bobby ryan and if he comes back i'm thrilled um but i think it is a risk to hang on to him if you can get like a fourth you know third sucks a little bit because you think in another year he might be a uh a target to get a lot more from an irrational buyer but yeah i don't know i i I put him on par with glenn denning in terms of being traded i think he's a little less likely to be traded than glenn denning but i do put him north of 50 percent. evan what's the lowest value you take for bobby ryan um i think a fourth i'd be okay with like it's like, I just don't see where the market is this year f- to be getting second round picks for Bobby Ryan. Like, yeah, you know, if every if everything if it was a normal year, I'd say, you know, I'd be thrilled with a second round pick. But I just don't. And I'd be OK with a third. But like, I just don't see it this year. Um, I really think it's a kind of a win win. You know, you, you trade Bobby Ryan, you get a pick out of it. OK, great. Um if he stays, well, you know, he likes it in Detroit and he's got a re- good attitude. Great. And you'll probably get him really cheap. So at the end of the day, I think whatever outcome there is, I, I think it'll be a good one. All right, let's move on to the defenseman and we'll start with the big name. Carrying a $5.7 million cap hit, which will almost definitely need to be retained to the max. So half of that, um, Mark Stahl. So Mark Stahl has surprised. And he has played way better than any of us would have expected, than anyone would have expected, period. Um, the cheapest we can move him for is a $2.7 million cap hit, prorated, of course, um, which is still a lot. 2.85. 2.85, sorry. But then obviously it's prorated. It's That's still going to be a tough move for what Mark Stahl is. So he's he's better. He's improved for all we shit on him at the beginning of the year. A lot of those oopsies went away. And um, uh, I I think if he had Bobby Ryan's contract, he'd be a a really good bet to be moved. He he still could be um, if it's the right team, the right situation, and there's a contract coming back. It absolutely could happen. And I could see the appeal. Like a team like Florida comes to mind for Mark Stahl. Uh, Losing Ekblad, they're going to need some depth. Makes sense. It'll be a seamless transition, you know. Yeah, potential Norris candidate finalist to another one. Yeah, it'll be easy. It's exactly. a no-brainer. But um, it, the cap hit's going to be a big, big sticking point. So Eisman will have to get creative to move that one. 
That yeah, that's one where you're gonna have to get a little bit fancy. Anything that comes back for Mark Stahl right now is a bonus. Detroit's already acquired a second just for taking the contract. So even if it's the equivalent of a seventh round pick coming back, I'm like, great. Instead of a second round pick for paying Mark Stahl for three quarters of a year, it's a second and a seventh, whatever. But yeah, if a team really wants Mark Stahl for one reason or another, and they just can't make the numbers work, and Detroit has to take a contract back, and Detroit's like, okay, well, you're giving us a bad contract, we're going to need a little more from you, and all of a sudden that pick improves. Yeah, I think that's a situation where you know, Detroit and Eisman could be primed to get a little to get a little creative with it and maximize the return. Mark Stahl is the like hallmark of anything you get is kind of hilarious and a bonus. So by all means, please do it. You know, people are talking about third, fourth round pick for Mark Stahl. And I'm just like, that is that would be insane. Third or fourth round pick is. Yeah, the fact he was mentioned at all on trade boards and like trade as a trade candidate shocked shocked the ever-living hell out of me so the fact that they get anything would be crazy to me if they get a third or a fourth round pick for mark Stahl, it's because we are also taking on a boat anchor of a contract in return yeah or we live in a simulation and eisenman's no longer being coy about the fact that he's the one that's controlling it (laughs) uh despite his really poor play of late i think at times um something so off about troy stetcher he would need to be the one to be thanked for basically carrying mark stall for the first half of the season yes absolutely uh and on that note troy stetcher um i would think any other year he would be a big trade candidate right now because he's cheap he's good and he has a year and a half left this year because he has a year and a half left i don't think he's even really going to get looked at I believe Troy Stetcher's received interest. I, I'm sure someone has kicked the tires just to see what Eisman would sell him for. I think, you know, let's say prior to Stetcher being injured, because it still looks a little funny. And we're at the point of the season where we're trying to evaluate any Red Wings players tough because the team's, you know, so down in the dumps at times. Um, he's done well, and it, that's attractive to a team. I think a team might even be willing to, like, an extra year at 1.7. And if Detroit, you know, retains, if they need that for one or two years, like that's not a lot. I think teams can very much stomach that. But Eisman also sees the value in a player like Stetcher, you know, right-handed defenseman comes in super cheap, is a great filler in the middle of a rebuild, like an effective guy, presuming that whatever this funk he's going through is just injury related. Like he's not, I, I don't see Eisman selling him for, for, for low. Like I don't see him selling him for like a fifth or if a team wants to like low ball, he'd rather hang on to him. That, that That's a guy where, yeah, you're right, Brad, normal year, you might be able to get a lot for him, but this year there wouldn't really be a point unless a team was willing to pay like actual market value. And they're comfortable losing him in the expansion draft because the only teams that are buyers this year are contenders, not fringe playoff teams. And how many contenders have, uh, less than three defensemen they're going to need to protect in the expansion draft this summer. <laughs> Almost none of them, probably actually none of them. So even though he's got that year left, he's probably viewed as a rental, even if he does get traded. Um, but if it were any other year, no pandemic, no expansion, like Troy Stetcher would be a stealth first round pick candidate in terms of a return. Uh, second would be the bare minimum. But uh, alas, the world we live in will prevent that from happening. I'm going to group these next guys together, you know, Nemeth, Merrill, Juice, Biega. These are guys where I'm not saying it's insane if a team trades for them, but they've not exactly been like 
you know, whispered across GM's lips all year. They might pick him up as a depth guy. It wouldn't be for much if they did and be a mild surprise. Yeah. Nothing, not a whole lot to get excited about there. Yeah. As evidenced by the fact that you literally yawned when I read out their names. <laughs> yeah, I just hear the name Nemeth and it's just, mm, I turn into Evan. Uh, De Kaiser, there's yes. absolutely no way. There's absolutely no way De Kaiser gets moved. He, he um, might be the least likely Red Wing to get traded. <laughs> Philip Ronick, you know, he's an RFA after this season. Having a good season by counting stats, by his standards and on ice play, maybe leaves some to be desired. I don't see a situation where Ronick is moved this year. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay. Two goalies. Grice, hold on. Not being moved. Yeah, go ahead. One defenseman we forgot about, and I want to oh. talk about it because I saw a proposal. That's fair. And it, and it made Jalowski. too much sense to me. So Dennis Jalowski, who everybody knows I'm an apologist for, and I think he's way better than what he's been given. And I think a lot of his slow development is due to how poorly the team has developed him. Um, that being said, he is the quintessential change of scenery trade type. Um but when you do a change of scenery trade for a, a similar player of a similar age, you generally do it if it's a player who's also really struggling on a bad team, but it's at a different position. So, you know, what do the do the Red Wings? The Red Wings have an abundance of left shot D. You know what they don't have an abundance of centers. Do you know who's been really struggling despite being a first round pick on a really shitty team? Casey Middlestat. There's a chance there could be something there. Like Buffalo needs D, Red Wings need centers. Both guys, by and large, have disappointed. Detroit would have I, to add. I think Detroit would have to add. I don't think it would have to be anything super substantial, but I, I think there's something that could work there. Uh, I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not even saying it's been rumored. And I, I feel so guilty for not crediting whoever posted it because I, I literally saw it in passing. Uh, while I was at work this afternoon, but then it kind of stuck in my mind and I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? That was, that's a good idea. So, um, and I'm not even that big of a middle stat fan, but it just, it, it makes sense. The residual value on middle stat, whatever you believe in him as a player, the residual value on him is substantially higher than it is on Chalosky. So I don't see Adams making that trade for Buffalo unless I, Detroit adds. And I don't make sense. I don't think it would make sense for Eisman to add what I think it would take. Like Buffalo would ask for like a second in addition to Chalosky there, I think. What if it was pull a prospect out of my hat here? McIsaac. Uh, I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I, I does Adams do that? Trade a high high profile prospect? Do you want to like how old is Middlestat now? Looking it up now, he's not. He's. Going to be 23 this year. Is he already 23? Wow. He, he's 22, but he's going to be 23 this year. No, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. And I, I, I like, I, I get why it's an attractive idea. I'm not, I'm also not a big believer in middle stat, but then again, I don't really think I'm a huge Dennis Chalosky stand. I think out of the three of us, you're the only one who really beats that drum. Um, I'd be shocked if I haven't even had an opinion on Dennis Chalosky. Um, I have no opinion one way or another. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's just too much residual name value here for this. To I get it. Like, I get the excitement, but I don't think it, it would shake out, really. 
Hey, at least middle stat looks pretty decent compared to the player picked directly after him. Anyways, <laughs> who is that, Brad? Anyways, um, the two goaltenders, uh, Thomas Grice, aside from his recent spell of strong play, has looked absolutely terrible. $3.6 million uh, for next season as well. He is not going to be traded for. Jonathan Bernier. Um, was injured, came back tonight, got lit up for seven goals, which is unfortunate. But altogether, coming into this game, had a 9-18 save percentage on a god-awful Red Wings team. Has been the saving grace for these Red Wings so many times over the past few seasons. Um, goalie markets are strange. This year's market is strange. I don't know if those two cancel out or add on to each other. I really have no prediction on whether or not he'll be moved, but for any team looking for goalie depth, I genuinely truly believe, all bias aside, that Jonathan Bernier is a prime target for them. Uh, Jonathan Bernier is easily the best goalie rental on the market. Um, assuming Florida keeps Drieger, but I think there's even an argument to be made there because Bernier's you know, been there, done that for longer. <sighs> Ironically, the two teams to me that make the most sense for Bernier are two teams he's already played for. Uh, Colorado makes the most sense to me because they are arguably the best team in the NHL and they don't have a backup goalie right now. And uh, until Toronto knows what the hell is going on with Frederick Anderson, uh, Michael Hutchinson can't be their backup going into the playoffs because Jack Campbell's riding an absolute heater now, which is great for them. Um, But he's still playing banged up. He's not practicing after game days and Michael Hutchinson is their current backup and he's terrible. So and the Leafs have given zero updates on Freddie Anderson, which is very unlike Dubis. So that could be worse than imagined. So I think if Bernier's moved, like Colorado is far and away the most likely team. I think there's at best two or three other teams who would even consider adding a goalie right now. Um, but any team that is looking to add a goalie, Bernier's the best bet. I give it like a one in three chance of it happening. And that just, it's because of how weird goalie markets are. Like, like you said, the buyers are buyers in general this year. are It's a short list and buyers for goalies. That's an even shorter list. So uh, I, th- I love Jonathan Bernier. And if Detroit retains him, like if they extend him, I'm thrilled at the same time. Next year would be a great year to suck a lot with Shane Wright at the top of that draft. Yeah. The um again, Bernie is another one of those guys. If they keep and resign, great. Um, I, I give Bernie a 50-50 chance to be traded, but understanding that of the 50% of me that thinks he'll be traded, 45 of that is Colorado. So if Colorado decides to uh race to the bottom in terms of uh trade value and goes for a Drieger or a Ryan Miller, okay, then <laughs> I don't think Bernier gets moved, but until Colorado makes a move, I, I still think it's pretty high. I have no idea where I sit on this. Like, I would like Bernie to be traded because I think there's an actual market for a backup goalie. Um, I just don't know this year. Like you said, Ryan, like the goalie market doesn't really make any sense at all in a normal year. So who knows what it's going to be like this year? I, I don't know. I, I feel like he should he should get moved, but will he get moved? I I'm not very confident. 
Yeah, and it's unfortunate because, again, that's another player where you look at someone like Bobby Ryan or, you know, Luke Lindenning, where in a hot market where where GMs are like, you know, they have a a ton of FOMO and they don't want to miss out on their guy. And this is a guy they fall in love with maybe more than they should. And they overspend. We've seen that happen in previous years. You know, I've seen Paul Gostad's name invoked more in the past three weeks than I have (laughs) when Paul Gostad played hockey. So... I, I think Bernie fits that mold and it's unfortunate, but I push him more towards the, if you can get a, a good enough asset, like honestly, I don't know where to set the price here. Third, do you go as low as fourth for Bernier? It might be worth it. And if you love him that much, try to bring him back in the off season. And if you can't, it sucks. But at the same time, you need to maximize assets here. It's going to be tough to sell anyone. Sort of where you have a conversation with the player and say, this is the offer we have for you. Do you? This is the team. Do you like their odds to win the cup? Would you come back in the offseason? And you kind of feel it out that way. Mm-hmm. And I think you let it run. Like Bernie's had to play goaltending or had to goaltend for Detroit. Like he should have that option. Yeah, he's for sure won the opportunity. He's got to be a shell of a goalie after being just destroyed night after night by high danger chances. Yeah, he, he's absolutely earned the right to uh, have a little bit of agency over where he goes. I would still love to see Asman play hardball with him. Here, this is your extension. Please sign it or I'm training you to Buffalo in two days. Yeah, I mean, fine. If it comes in <laughs> cheap, sure. That's great. Um, Last asset that I think I'm most excited for the Red Wings to use or to, to move here, and that's their cap space. Ah, the old intermediary. I don't know what it looks like. Is it a Hall move? Is it, you know, Jaden Schwartz? Like, are you facilitating a trade between teams that hate each other and wouldn't usually deal together? So you do a kind of sneaky thing where you, you know, pull the wool over one team's eyes, like say Pittsburgh and Philly. There's so many opportunities here. And there's so many other variables that you don't want to be, you know, involved in it. You know, how much... How many real dollars does the owner want to spend? That kind of thing, because that matters right now in the COVID cap, flat cap world too. Um, it's it's Eisenman's biggest opportunity to flex his muscles, make a big splash, make something out of nothing. It's not easy to do. You need willing participants, and it, that there seems to be a shortage of that this year. So um, I wouldn't bank on it. But if a trade gets made with cap space, I'd wager that it'd be the most exciting trade for the Red Wings in the coming days. The Red Wings could make Taylor Hall a $2 million cap hit. How would that not appeal to a contender, to a Boston, to an Edmonton, to a whoever? Because Buffalo retains half, Detroit's the intermediary. They retain half of what's left. Taylor Hall's going to the next team for $2 bucks. Can you double retain? Pretty sure you can, yeah. There's... I could be wrong. Actually, I, I'm not a thousand percent sure on that, but no, no. But was, in general, like y- you can make Taylor Hall a very cheap player. You can make players where you're just like, oh, I would love to have him for 25 games in a playoff run or whatever it is. Um, but I just don't have the room on my cap. You, you can make all of that work. It's there's not a lot of movement this year. There just isn't a lot of movement this year. Who knows? Deadline's April 12th, Monday, April 12th at uh, was it 3 p.m. Eastern. It's not going to be, we're not going to know until we get there, but if you want to see fireworks, the cap space is where you do it. 
any other Red Wings players that we've missed or ones you want to go back to and discuss regarding their likelihood to be traded, what you think the return would be, that kind of thing? Nope. Okay. All right. I want you guys to predict overall, including goalies, how many Red Wings, how many trades are the Red Wings involved with by the time the clock strikes 301 on Monday? Three. Three trades. Okay. Three. I was going to say two. I've got my two likely ones and then the field for one more. I don't want to be a doomer and say one. So I'll bump up and share Evans here. I think Even I feel like I'm being such a being so bearish on the current state of affairs in the NHL trade market, but. Yeah, we've just watched so many players go through waivers for free, and I just, I just don't have any confidence in it. Never have I wanted to be wrong more than this episode. I hope we're so wrong about this episode. I think Glenn Denning and Ryan are both more likely than not. So then, basically, my argument for three is any one of the other nine players we talked about as being somewhat reasonable to get traded one of them gets traded i'm gonna guess two i think it's gonna be the obvious glendening and ryan and i think we're not gonna see anything fancier but i will add in i think we'll see two more by draft day mm, the red wings have too okay. many ufas they whoever they go into the offseason with still under contract they're keeping they they almost have I'll to stick by it <laughs> I'll stick by it. All right. Uh, more trade deadline conversation to come. But first, I want to talk to you about the FanDuel Sportsbook, who are the sponsors of this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. Uh, we are thrilled to partner with them as they bring us fans what we really need this season more excitement. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook for so many reasons. It's easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets. Withdrawals are quick and easy. You get your money in as quick as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to one grand back if you don't win your first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. We wish we could bet on games like Saturday's matchup against Carolina where the Sveshnikovs face off again. Uh, why? So you can take the easy money with Carolina. Or if you're crazy, you take the underdog money with the Red Wings. Uh, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet of up to $1,000 that we're excited is being offered to you. Be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITHIN in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right. This trade deadline is the Taylor Hall trade deadline. I think that's what it boils down to. Um, there's a couple other big names here. Palmieri's already moved. Actually, do you want to talk about that trade first? 
Let's talk about that trade first. We talked about it yesterday, but only the patrons got to hear. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, we did a Patreon exclusive where we uh, where we considered some hypothetical trades from listeners. We went through a bunch of them. So if you haven't listened to that, go go through and, and listen to it. And the Palmieri trade happened live live while we were recording it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. I was an asshole and I brought it up to these guys as if it was a proposed trade, but it's actually what happened. So the Islanders got um, at fifty percent retained for both Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac in exchange for a twenty twenty one first. A 2022 conditional fourth that can bump up to a third. Uh, there's a bunch of different caveats there. And two prospects, AJ Greer and Mason Jobst. But essentially, it's that first that's moving back. So um, that's the Islanders in Lou Lamorello's swing to replace Anders Lee. Uh, well, Zajac and Palmieri combined add up to about a point per game. So that's not nothing. Um, of course, you know, the NHL being the league that is just endless amounts of nepotism lamorello trades with the devils um they're fine players they're good um it makes a ton of sense for the islanders they lost their captain they're in their cup window um and lamorello i respect the balls on the guy because every time he's got a team he thinks is good he does not hold back i i think the devils did great because getting a first round pick period in this market this year is a miracle so, um, you know, both teams got what they needed, and it's that rare trade where I look at it from both sides going, yeah, I'd be happy. This is a year where you – like this was a big litmus test to say, oh, yeah, there, there's not going to be a lot of high prices paid this year. And if you might be thinking, New Jersey got a first, Ryan, for Palmieri and Zajac, like, you know, you consider those guys. That's actually not a bad haul. Okay, sure, but a guy like Palmieri – like if you move Palmieri and Zajac together at half of their AAV – and most other trade deadlines, uh, you're talking about more than a first coming back there. You know, you're talking about an, uh, at least another premium asset coming back there. Um, I don't know. It's not a bad, like, I think New Jersey did well, all things considered, but it's a pretty big indicator that this is going to be a muted year. It's good depth once again for the COVID Cup. Like, yeah. I, I don't think a first is really that bad to give up for two solid depth pieces. I I think it's decent. No, no. I, I don't think it's a bad price to pay for the Islanders. Yeah, I, I think it's... They took their swing. Yeah, New Jersey will be happy to get a first. I don't know. It's... It, like I, I think it's a, it's a tidy piece of business for both teams. Fine yeah. enough. Yeah, it's not going to be a high first round pick either. So New Jersey didn't like no, it's not a king's ransom. But if there's if it's going to be hard to sell this year, then sure. Is it this uh, year's twen- uh, first round pick? Yeah, yeah. yeah so whatever. and you know that's going to be a late pick unless something goes like catastrophically wrong for the Islanders. Yeah. Um, okay, Florida did a in Bill Zito in Florida did a, a tidy little bit of business to clear up some cap space. Move Brett Connolly. Um, in addition to Henrik Borkstrom and Riley Stillman, who uh, Giovanni Smith recently beat the ever-loving piss out of, um, and a seventh-round pick to Chicago in exchange for Lucas Walmark and Lucas Carlson. So essentially, it was moving Carl, uh, Connolly's contract, um, and then they added in Borkstrom and Stillman as sweeteners. They cleared up nearly two and a half million in cap space. So go to Florida. That's money. Absolutely, it is <laughs> something like that. That's my takeaway um, from that trade. Is that is Mark Stall money? 
Florida has an insane amount of cap space now. Just are I they willing to spend it? They might not be a spend to the cap team. I mean, I don't know, man. They should be. And I don't know enough who's at Vinny Viola. I don't know enough about him to know if he if he is going to go all in. I don't know what his business is that got him all his money. So I don't know if he's getting kicked in the pills in the pandemic like everybody else or not. But uh, Florida is intriguing. But they've historically not been a team to spend. So, And they have a new GM too. So uh, they could do everything and nothing and neither would surprise me. Their cap space is somewhere between like sixteen and a half and eighteen million dollars, somewhere around there. And I saw actually, you know, friend of the podcast, Reese Jessup, note that uh, Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel add up to roughly around that. And that's without salary <laughs> retained. <laughs> to be fair, they don't make this move if they're not planning on adding, right? So, and and that's a good team, and they might be thinking this is the first time this team is playing well enough to justify adding. I don't care who the owner is. If I'm the GM, I'm I'm knocking on his door every day to say, hey, we need to add. I think I saw something today about um, someone mentioned Hall to Florida and their and the response was, oh, no, Florida needs a defenseman. They don't need Taylor Hall. No, but they probably want a Taylor Hall. It's not a bad thing to have too much offense. So when you have a ton of cap space and a ton of assets – you can get a Taylor Hall. You can you can treat yourself. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Taylor Hall. One of like I, I understand it's not been the performance we've seen from his heart season. He's shooting at a miserable rate. Um, and even if you look at his footage, he's not been a good shooter this year. But still, a fantastic left winger. They're easily the best players still on the market right now. You know, this is a sparse trade market. We're on Craig Cousins' trade board. Taylor Hall is first, and you go down to fourth, and it's Luke Lendenning. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, Who's in on Taylor Hall? Does he get moved? Oh, he has to get moved. If I'm Kevin Adams, I don't, I don't care if you're trading Taylor Hall for a third. You move Taylor Hall because he's not coming back to Buffalo, right? unlikely uh very unlikely the problem is unless buffalo finds an intermediary he's a four million dollar player even if they retain half and that knocks off a lot of suitors unfortunately again it can all be done because you can take contracts back but nhl gms are not a creative lot so that decreases the likelihood because of the dollars and the cap hit too there are a lot of national writers who don't even think Taylor Hall gets a first round pick. No, uh, yeah, I, I think that value wouldn't be from an outright first. I think they'd have to look for other things to add in there. And I understand his shooting percentage is low, but historically we've seen a lot of GMs who don't understand how that impacts a player's value. I uh, see Jordan Eberly, but um, ironically, we're talking about Eberly and Hall in the same sentence again. Anyways. <laughs> He's still worth a first-round pick. It's like Zadine in Detroit. We've seen the chances he's had. Any other year, he's got 10 goals. Um, Same thing for Taylor Hall in Buffalo. That's not a sustainable shooting percentage. He's not a sniper, and his shot isn't his strength, but it's at least as good as Larkin's, and Larkin can carry a higher shooting percentage. So can Taylor Hall, and over the course of his career, Taylor Hall has carried a higher shooting percentage. So when that regresses to the mean... He's going to seem like a bargain. Who's like, who even is in on him at this point? You know, looking at the standings, 
So two teams jump out to me immediately with a third one being a fun storyline. If it happens, I look immediately at Boston and Florida. Mm -hmm. I think Edmonton could and would be fun. That'd be hysterical. I would love that so much. Yep. And it makes sense. They need depth scoring. Taylor Hall makes a ton of sense there. And now that Peter Shirelli's not there anymore, that could be even more fun. I would have thought uh, the Islanders actually would have been my front runner for Hall before the Palmieri's Ajax trade went through. Yeah. Um, just looking through it, there's other teams that could make it work, but they just don't immediately jump off the page at you. Vegas has zero cap space. Colorado could. And Colorado Colorado's has the assets to pick. do it. Colorado should be in on everybody with how much cap space they have and how good they are. Oh my god, that is yeah. the like that is exactly why you're patient with your cap space, Joe Sackick. This is masterclass the team he's built in Colorado. Yeah, and and again, it's all about moving contracts in or out. So any team can be in if they can move a contract out, but that's easier said than done. Like I wouldn't rule out Toronto for Taylor Hall, but again, that's going to be what contract do they move to get Taylor Hall? It's it's hard. So, yeah, I I think to me, Boston, Florida, Colorado are my three favorites. But you could throw in four or five other teams there that were that would at least kick the tires on it. Looking at another player on on Buffalo, not exactly a, a, a really notable player, but Linus Allmark is one of several spoiler goalies. If you're keen on the Jonathan Bernier market, you know Linus Allmark, you know David Riddich with the Flames, uh, Merz Lickens has been dangled by the uh, by the Blue Jackets. There's a bunch of other you know depth goalies or or good depth goalies or supporting goalies that teams can pick from here. So um, Allmark will come cheap too. You know if Eiserman's setting a high price for Bernier. I think Allmark will come. Uh, Allmark will not be cheap. Buffalo doesn't have a goalie for next season right now. So they're in the same situation as Detroit. Allmark. Okay. I think it, I think the stats have changed now, but at one point last week, he was like eight, five and one on the season with that Buffalo team. And all other goalies were like one 18 and three. I would bet anything. They trade him for not as cheap as possible, but if, if, you know, team X, Colorado comes to Buffalo and says, we can get Bernier I don't know. Bernie for they lie and say we can get Bernie for a third, but we'd prefer Allmark. I'd say Buffalo does that. I, I don't think they're I don't think they would do it. They need a, a good, good return on him because he's a lot younger than Bernier, too. He's twenty seven. Yeah. He's five years younger. Uh yeah, you know what? I hadn't considered his age. Okay. So maybe he won't come so cheap. But still, teams are gonna gun for Allmark. I don't think that has, that his age has anything to do with the price on Trade value for him. I think Buffalo's going to go full court to keep him, to re-sign him, to extend him. Other and if, players. If, he, if he says, piss off, I'm not ever playing in Buffalo beyond this year. Okay, yeah, he's going to get a pretty good return at the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other Speaking of spoiler players, um, before you get to the Mark Stahls being bought, Someone's going to have to go in on David Savard. Someone might take a crack at a Ryan Murray out of New Jersey. Um, Brandon Montour has been talked about with the Sabres. You know, that's a fire sale there. There's a bunch of players there who'd probably come in rating higher than than Mark Stahl. Um, it's everything is kind of on the table here. Matthias Ekholm. That's the last really big one that I want to talk about. Nashville and Matthias Ekholm. Nashville's moved up to a playoff spot right now. 
They are, uh, their points percentage, yeah, they actually have straight up the fourth best points percentage. Chicago's fallen off. Dallas has been, you know, Dallas all year. Columbus and Detroit absolutely suck. Right now, Nashville might sneak into a playoff spot in a central division that is a week after the third team. So does that stop their plans of moving Ekholm? Does that stop their plans of maybe moving Ellis? Does that stop David Poyle from blowing it up? Short answer, yes. Because there's there's couple the logical part of you says hey don't do what Columbus did a couple years ago where they held on to Duchesne Panarin and all that and then for a second round exit uh, obviously Columbus was a different scenario because they had never been to the second round before but still but this is again a weird year Ekholm's value isn't as high as it otherwise would be you can still sell on him next year he would still be a valuable rental so you can keep him and still get assets for him. It just might not be this year. Uh, a point I heard brought up on another podcast. Hey, teams are worried about season ticket sales next year. You know what helps season ticket sales next year? Make the playoffs. Um, and even if you look at it, you know, Florida, Carolina are challenging Tampa for first in the central. So if you, if Nashville's playing anybody but Tampa, they could sit there and go, yeah, Carolina doesn't have great goaltending and Florida just lost their best defenseman. We could surprise someone. I wouldn't bet on it, but you know David Poyle will be thinking it. So I think Nashville went from a seller to a Stan Pat team. I don't think they're going to be buyers by any means, but I don't think – I think they like where they're at. I think they like where they're going, and they're not going to change anything. It doesn't really move the needle a lot, but if you're a team like Detroit who has a lot of assets but none of them are really super high end, you're happy to have a team like Nashville out of the way. You want to remove as many players from the pool to buy from as possible. Um, okay, some th- hypothetical trades coming from Twitter here. Uh, Rowan said Brad in his flash hockey bat, which is your uh, hockey stick for Adam Lascaris. I'm happy happy to make that trade. Um, Bernie and Glendening to the Panthers for Drieger and a third with the intent to extend Drieger. I would love that if you could do that. I don't think Florida says yes to that. Yeah, I don't think Florida says uh, says yes to that. Uh, Bobby Ryan to the Leafs for a second or a third. I think a third is realistic, and Bobby Ryan is the exact type of player I could see Toronto looking at right now. Bernier and Nemeth to Colorado for a second-round pick and Connor Timmins. End that statement at second-round pick, and I think you actually have something there. That's from Dennis Cholosky fan. Uh, Nature Bats last says Mantha to Montreal for a 2023 first and a 2022 second. I actually. Okay. I don't think that's insane. I'm going to say yes. And it's for one reason and one reason only. I think Montreal is a stealth candidate to get real shitty in the next couple of years. So having a first round pick in the Bedard Michkov draft, you never know. Unlikely. Roll getting, the dice. But getting an extra yeah. ball in that hopper would be a big deal. It'd be super hard to move an asset like Mantha without seeing the return come back to you in two years minimum, because then that player has to be developed. But yeah, it's it's pretty clever that one. And I like I don't even know about the value going back there from Bergevin. I could see Bergevin saying, well, I don't give a shit about 2023. I need to be here in 2023. So, yeah, let's do it. That could be interesting. Mm. Um, 
there's a, there's another one here for from Brandon Joyner about Bernier and maybe a third to Colorado for New Hook. I think the price for New Hook's way higher. Um, <laughs> trading Chris Chris Draper for a dollar. Oh, here's one uh, from Scott Fultz. Brad Crisco in a first for a seventh. Have to give up a lot to shed ourselves of Crisco's contract. Yeah, Evan, I think it's time that we bite the bullet and just call a spade a spade. Crisco's a failed experiment. Whatever yep, the whatever the league minimum for podcast is, I'm pretty sure that's what I'm making. So what the hell do you mean moving that contract? <laughs> uh, App State Knicks is Anthony Mantha to the Penguins for Poulin and their 2022 first. Who was it for Poulin in the 2021 first? Mantha? Mantha, yeah. I'm not a big Poulin guy. Would you take the 2022 first, though? I would, but not for Mantha straight up. All right. I'm sure there's going to be more of these in overtime. We're going to jump into overtime uh, brought to you on this midweek episode, late midweek episode by our Patreon supporters. Uh, Thank you all so much for making this show go round. We're going to start with Alex Zucco, who says, thank you guys for doing the special episode last night. Um, Follow-up question for today's focus on which of our prospects are most likely to be on the NHL roster to start next year. On a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being most likely, please rank. Moritz Sider, 9. And a half. Yeah. Lucas Raymond. Two. I'll give it a four. Yeah, I was thinking about a four, too. Joe Valeno. Five. I give it five and a half. I'll say a five. I, I think it's a coin flip. Gustav Lindstrom. Eh. Two. <laughs> Eh, what number is that? My 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 official Four. my official response is who cares? Uh Jonathan Bergren. Yeah, I'll call that one a three. I think it's two and a half time for him. I'll be optimistic. Um former defenseman Ryan Hanna says, Hey all, I just want to say it's awesome that you promote the Jamie Daniels Foundation. I'm applying for my certification in substance abuse treatment this week. Wish me luck. Very a uh, uh, big good luck wish to you. I wish I could know your actual name, not former defenseman Ryan Hanna. Uh, proposal, Jeff Blashill for a bag of pucks. We could save the team money on travel by launching him there on a trip bucket. Trebuchet. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Jeff Blashill might be a free agent this offseason, so I don't know if teams are going to move assets for him. I wish coaches' trades could come back. I don't think anything f- deeper than that should happen, but I kind of wish coaching trades would come back. <laughs> Yakaruta says Darren Helm with full salary retention to the Capitals for a conditional fifth turns into a fourth if the Caps make it to the third round of the playoffs and Helm plays in 50% of the games. Absolutely. I would do it in a heartbeat. Zero chance Washington does. Uh, Brad's anger manifested says uh, would really love to see the Red Wings make some moves. So there's spots for the, for our young guys to play. Uh, question to you is what is your favorite slash most obscure non Red Wings hockey Jersey that you own? Mine is the Kenya ice hockey Jersey. I bought for their fundraiser a few years back. That one's sweet. I've seen it. I have one of the Anaheim ducks alternates from the nineties, the white ones where like the green is up on the shoulders and comes down the sleeve a little bit. If you remember those ones, they didn't wear them for long, but they were dope Mm -hmm. as hell. I don't have a name or number on it, but I still love the jersey. I have a Team Canada, the, like the uh, the slanted letters along the hockey stick. I really love that one. It was used in a. Uh, it was used for a World Juniors. That's the one it's made based off of. But it was also an international team as well. Uh, Evan, do you own a single jersey that's not Red Wings? 
I have a Team Canada jersey. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's actually more than I thought. Uh, Slava Kozlov's doppelganger says Bernier in a second to the wild for Rossi. <laughs> I don't Minnesota know. hangs up the phone. Uh, on a serious note, how corrupt are the junior leagues in Canada? Is it pay to play or get paid to play? Do the CHL leagues pay top prospects not to go to the NCAA or US NTDP? Thanks for making my day easier with the podcast. Hashtag Brad Brigade. Uh, for minor hockey, there are way too many teams that are pay to play. And for the CHL, there are absolutely some palms being greased in uh, some of these deals. <clears throat> London Knights. <clears throat> London Knights. Yep. <clears throat> London Knights. Brett S says, "Hey guys, curious for your take on development. Had we won the lottery the last uh, past few years, what do you think we should have done with Hughes and Lafreniere? Would the NHL be the best for their development on a team as bad as the Wings? OHL slash USHL seems like it would have been a bad choice too. What would your uh, development arc slash timetable for a top five pick be that isn't a generational talent? Okay, everyone's like going to suck on the Red Wings. That's yeah. the, the gist of it." So a top five pick that isn't a generational talent. Hey, we have one of those. His name's Lucas Raymond, and I don't expect him to be on the Red Wings next year. I mean, his injury kind of, I didn't think it was a high chance, but his recent injury knocked it down even further. I, I think two years is fair for Raymond. I think he'll either go back to the SHL or Grand Rapids next year, and then we'll see him in Detroit after that. For Lafreniere, he was only eligible to go back to the CHL, and there was zero chance i would do that so he would have been in detroit um hughes i could have seen doing one year in college i wouldn't have hated that um but you know whatever for for where he was at and how dominant he was at the us ntdp i I think it was a fine call to play him in the nhl and he's been great this year so it worked uh third man in says if you haven't already yeah we talked about ernie and heronic christoph uh shellander says hey guys for which drafted prospect would you trade our first round pick this year and what are some realistic scenarios well we talked about that a little bit in uh last episode pretty much anyone within the top 10 or 12 going down to uh um what's Wasn't it seth jarvis where we kind of broke apart we were talking from the other team's perspective, though. Like, would Carolina say yes to this? Would Florida say yes to this? Would New Jersey say yes to this? Yeah. Um, who's that? Why can I? Lundell. I think all the way down to Lundell for sure. But I just don't know if you get that yes from those teams. Uh, Dave W says, four-year listener, first-time patron here. Uh, first, just want to say you guys do a great job, and I'm looking forward to hearing you do another roundtable with the Wing Dings for brunch, guys. Uh, hey, draft season's coming up. Uh, question is, what's the likelihood that Stevie's trying to exploit the incoming expansion draft, meaning the teams that are going to lose good players to Seattle, and that's why he hasn't made any moves yet? I can see that being a factor, but I think just money and cap space being t- so tight is definitely the bottleneck here that's what's limiting things uh adam ernie stand club says more like karen helm am i right anyways with the full season next year and hopefully an influx of talent on the way is a 30 to 40 goal season a reasonable expectation for elite goal scorer adam ernie uh i don't know if you want to 30 to 40 goals um is probably enough for Adam Ernie in his first 41 games of the season, but I can see him cracking another 50 in the second half. <laughs> uh, as for a trade, Glendening and Bernie to the Oilers for Koskinen, Tyler Benson, and a mid-round pick or Cooper uh, Marodi. 
Uh, I think I think Marodi is a little older, so I'd prefer Benson, but that's not terrible. Terrible, actually. That's a pretty reasonable ask because Koskinen's contract would be viewed as a negative coming back the other way, hence a, the better return. Um, and I'm Devin says, would you rather a play a three on three pickup with any five former Red Wings or B play a three on three pickup game with any five former NHL players without any Red Wings? Oh, I'd go with the wings here. I go, uh, Lidstrom, Stevie Shanahan. Easy. I got to go NHL. Bum. I have to play with Wayne. You got to play with Wayne. Yeah, that's fair. I get that. How could you not play with Wayne? Like, I would love to play with Stevie, Nick, like, but Wayne Gretzky. Do you play the scrimmage at Little Caesars or in a naturally frozen lake? Oh, you go for the lake for sure. 100% the lake. Little Caesars. I don't want to have to tap out after three hours because my toes are falling off. (laughs) Haroon Khan says, hey, guys, if Mantha bounces back next year under a new coach and shows his uh, previous form, would you want him to be kept I personally don't want to see him go at all. Uh, just keep him and keep adding talent. Uh, I think I'm still always open to the very high price offer. And it's not a Mantha thing. It's a timeline thing. If someone wants to overpay or pay a premium, I'm taking that deal. Hold out to trade him till 2022. So the first round pick we get is 2023. There or or even hold out till next year. So the first round pick we get is 2022. We need as many first round picks in those two years as possible is what I'm saying. Uh, Mike Seward says new patron been listening for about two years, uh, two years now. Snap my arm at work and you guys help me out a lot. Oh, I hope you're doing better, Mike, but uh, glad we could uh, help out. Uh, who's your guys top five Red Wings players of all time. All right. In no particular order. Gordy, Stevie, Lidstrom are the three obvious ones. Yeah. I'm a huge Nobody's arguing any of those. Sergey Fedorov's in there. I, I would say Fedorov and Lindsay for me. Honorable yeah. mentions to Sawchuk, Delvecchio, Mickey. Yeah, like, there's a ton of players that can go in there. If we're adding in some of our favorites, I'm putting Shanahan in. Steve Ott. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of my list. Yeah. Steve Schmerda says, hey, guys, been listening since the Zadina draft and finally able to become a patron. No question, but just thanks for making me a more knowledgeable hockey fan and making the four-hour drive to visit my girlfriend every other week a little bit more bearable. Would usually stack a few episodes and listen to the pod the whole drive. Steve, happy we can keep you company, and thank you so much for the support. Imagine listening uh, to us for four hours. <laughs> Fuck. Don Mitchell says, hey, guys, thank you for the uh, send us your trade proposal so we can ridicule and bully you episode. (laughs) It's okay. You do the same thing when Brad puts out his shitty trade proposals. So fair game. My whole Twitter feed is just me posting my thoughts and then forcing myself to not read the replies because I need to maintain some level of (laughs) (laughs) self-confidence. Question, whose autograph have you seen that's made you shake your head because it's so ugly or bad? If you haven't seen, I encourage you to search Ernie's and Villy Lano's. Woof. Oh, Philly Lano was the first one that came to mind for me. It was it was just atrocious. Is his the one I'm thinking of? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one's awful. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine the phone call that Lou made to get Zajac and Palmieri. Probably went like, listen, baby, I'm sorry. Just want to tell you, don't worry. I'll be late. Don't stay up and wait for me. Uh, it's a whole, I, I think I'm missing. No, yeah, it's cut off here. But um, I don't think Lou says baby. I think Lou just speaks in gruff grunts and then hangs up. 
Uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, good evening. Congratulations, Ryan, on your excellent pronunciation on Skjald Tamaj fan. Brilliant for a first go. We might just make an, honor- make an honorary suite of you yet. At least one of you will be able to get through the names of the Swedish Mafia 2.0 without making enemies across the pond. Consider this trade. Hronik to Vegas for McNabb and Vegas's first and second in 2021. I don't think they pay that much for Hronik. I don't and know I think- if I'd do it if I'm Detroit either. Because what even if Hronik settles in to be a second-pairing defenseman, that's usually more than you could expect out of a late first-round pick. What's McNabb been like? Guy. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Not all, not a lot of offense there. Actually, no offense at all. Age 30. Yeah, that's a weird one. The first and the second is nice, but Vegas, that's going to be low first, low second, right? That's essentially second and a third. Yeah. North so ba- basically, says- basically, if we want to go by history of actual Red Wings draft picks, that's essentially Wallander and Sabrango. Yeah. North Moto says Burt, Mantha, Rasmussen, Chalosky in a second for Eichel. I don't think Buffalo says yes there. Burt, Rasmussen, and what? Mantha, Chalosky in a second. Yeah. They, yeah, I don't think they do How many they do contracts that. can they take on? <laughs> I don't know. I think after the season Mantha's had and Bertuzzi being hurt, I don't think they even consider it. Uh, c says, hey guys, um, Tampa's up against a cap with Nikita on IR, so he doesn't count against the cap. If he's healthy by playoffs, how can he play once he's healthy? Does Tampa have to make moves? Nope. Playoffs, cap, doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's that's how they uh, get around that. This is the old Chicago trick. Sam W. says, seems like rebuilds often come up at the end of a successful run or finally a blow up after years and years of not being able to get over the hump. In the case of the Wings, because of the circumstances, uh, the Wings suffered a few years of steady decline, and now we're steadily adding draft capital and high-end talent. How do you think our somewhat unique circumstances or timeline affect the length and complexion of our rebuild? Detroit waited too long to start, which dragged out the whole ordeal. That's what my analysis is. Yep, and that's pretty much all there is to it. The 25 years was nice, but uh, the Red Wings would be a lot better off if that 25-year streak we reminisce on was 23 years. Yeah. Stay Fresh Cheeseback says, hey, fellas, I'm proud to be crowned master and champion bracketologist. That's right. Joseph Fournier is the winner of our March Madness bracket. We won't talk about how I did. Um, Prizes to be doled out and decided soon. So congratulations to those who came out on top, especially Joseph. Congrats to Baylor. Never bet on Gonzaga ever. Congrats to Baylor, whose story from floundering program to national champs will someday become a movie. I appreciate Helm. He's been a fine fourth line foot soldier for years and is positionally solid despite his complete offensive ineptitude. But at this point, uh, any player to refusing to get the vaccine should be jettisoned into the sun by Helm. I saw that article and I like the the headline was a little bit like I, I saw what the headline said, like, this is why Darren Helm won't get it. And then I read into it and he was like, I've already had it and I'm hoping I still have the antibodies and he just doesn't want his body to take the hit though. I would encourage everyone who's traveling around to get it. I, it's not as egregious as I, you know, was made out to be in the headline or at least that's what I yeah, thought. I think the part of the article that bothered everybody when he's, when he basically, what do he say? He's like, I'll consider it after the season or something. He said, 
I'll look into it after the season. Yeah, like Darren, just say you're you're gonna get it after the season, and nobody would bat an eye. Uh, facial hair policies are antiquated and classist. Leave it to Lou. Also, in prep for the trade deadline, please list every trade ever. <laughs> Aussie for Hall of Fame. Stay fresh, cheese bags. I feel like we're getting pretty goddamn close, uh, just in hypotheticals instead of actual trades. Michael Thompson says, had a few drinks during the second intermission and resumed season three of Drive to Survive and accidentally missed the first half of the third period tonight. After checking the score, I decided I was just going to stick to drinking in F1 after all. All right, folks, that is all for the trade deadline preview episode. We are going to be back with you on Monday, April 12th. So we're not going to be doing our usual Tuesday episode, but we are going to be moving to Monday post trade or sorry, our usual Sunday episode. We're going to be moving to Monday post trade deadline. So again, Monday, April 12th, 3 p.m. is the trade deadline and we will be with you Monday night to recap it all. But for now, we'd like to thank all of our listeners. Thank you all who tune in. Any new listeners, welcome to the winged wheel podcast and uh enjoy the ride uh to those who have been here thank you and we're sorry our name level sponsors the people who make this show go round arjun shanker eves bartell on behalf of the sarah grand foundation brett bailey Ta- terry driver of evans firk wagon taylor tagel brendan m citizen high five craig kibble uh evans fetish incarnate greech Hana Lee, Hassam Al-Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, welcome, new name level sponsor, Kaylin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, Fine Crisco, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Stan Olson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Bracket Champ, Trevor Pevivar. Guys, you ready for trade deadline? No. Sure. <laughs> See everyone on Monday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.